0: Okay, Bo, today we're finally going to tackle this section in the Gospel Topics essays uh, officially published by the LDS Church that is titled Plural Marriage, and there are actually four different essays on plural marriage. And I think we should start with this for our, especially for our LDS listeners who maybe have never read this before. You know, we're talking about polygamy. I think when the average American thinks of the mormon church they think about polygamy but how how did how do modern day mormons how much did they know about polygamy and the history of polygamy in the church and joseph smith and all this stuff like how much does the average lds person know coming into this topic today
1: yeah the average lds member doesn't know a ton um they know brigham young was a polygamist they know that you know if they trace their their family history back long enough they probably have some they probably come from some sort of polygamist family. Um, but they, they don't, one, they know that it was completely stopped and the church does not support polygamy anymore. So for many, they they take that and they say, okay, I'm good, we're moving on. Because uh, typically when you when you started to study the history of polygamy, it, it caused some pretty unsettling things to, to come out of the, the history of the church. And so I think most people, meet myself included, we try to avoid that topic. Um most members would say, look, it's something I don't understand. Don't quite know why God commanded it. I just believe that He did command it. Um, because this is the true church, right? Like this, that's a very boilerplate statement that most members recite. Um, but but yeah, look, Brian, most uh most members of the church today don't know much, if if anything, about Early polygamy, especially that Joseph himself was a polygamist, had between thirty and forty wives, which is something that this Gospel Topics essay um, explains. Uh, but again, most most members of the church are not reading these Gospel Topics essays that the church published.
0: Okay, so you read you read these essays ten years ago when they first came out. You were a you were a seminary teacher for the Mormon Church, teaching high school students about Mormonism. Did did you ever cover polygamy with your students?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Briefly, we, we covered church history. This was definitely something that, even in uh, seminary curriculum, you, you glossed over, especially glossed over Joseph's polygamy. That was just not taught. Um, what was taught was, and we'll get into this, was Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, which was the revelation on marriage, eternal marriage, eternal families. But the emphasis there is different. So, uh, when we were teaching it, um, so, so even when I, yeah, you, I mean, you brought up a good point. When I read these essays, um, there were things I was floored by, uh, and, and we'll get into some of that, uh, you know, as we study these, these essays that the church released, but, but for me, it caused me to really question my faith. Um, because one, a lot of this had been covered up, not talked about. And, and two, for me, um, just caused me to, to question the motives behind polygamy in general. And, uh, and, and question when the revelation came about versus when it started to be practiced. There's just a lot of confusion there. Um, so yeah, we, we can get into it. But, uh, but for me as a seminary teacher, this is one of the big, one of the big things that caused me to question. And, and ultimately I, I had to stop teaching seminary. I couldn't keep teaching it given what was being covered up and not taught and versus what, you know, history actually
0: states. All right. Let's get into the essays. The first essay is titled "Plural Marriage in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints," and this is really just sort of like the overview essay. There are links to the next three essays in this one, so so this is kind of like the outline for where they're going with all of all of this. And I just want to cover a couple uh, statements in here. It says it starts like this: Latter-day Saints believe. That the marriage of one man and one woman is the Lord's standing law of marriage. So they, they want to start there, I guess, to say this is God's standing law of marriage before we get in, into all this weird stuff. <laughs> you know, before we get into some of this stuff that especially today's Christians or even Mormons would look at and say, wait, what? What are you saying? Yeah, it goes on to say, in biblical times, the Lord commanded some to practice plural marriage, the marriage of one man and more than one woman. And can I just say, before we read on, that's not actually true biblically. So maybe the Lord commanded some to practice plural marriage in Mormon scriptures, but in scripture, nowhere in the Bible does the Lord command polygamy. Nowhere, nowhere in the Bible. And um, and so I think, first of all, it needs to be pointed out that um, even though even though there is polygamy in the Old Testament, God never commands it. It's not his idea. It's not what he wants. It might have been a cultural thing back then, but uh, it's. I think it's encouraging to know that God never commands it in the Old Testament. Anyway, I just had to say that. So it goes on. It says, by revelation, the Lord commanded Joseph Smith to institute the practice of plural marriage among church members in the early 1840s. So we'll get into all these dates here in a second, Bo. And for more than half a century, plural marriage was practiced by some Latter-day Saints under the direction of the church president." So that's a good kind of a summary of where we're going, that it was definitely a thing in the Mormon church in the first 50 years or so. Well, maybe not the first 10 years, 15, 20 years, we'll get into that. but, But at a certain point, it was practiced, it was taught, and it was kind of a big deal. Now, the article goes on to say that the revelation on plural marriage recorded in Doctrine and Covenants 132 emerged partly from Joseph Smith's study of the Old Testament in 1831. So, Bo, help us with this, because I know for the Christian listeners, they don't really know what the Doctrine and Covenants are. This is one of the four standard works in Mormonism. They take this as scripture, and section 132 in particular, as you mentioned, was is kind of a pretty important part of everything we're going to be unpacking today
1: it is it's super important it's it's pivotal for mormons in their belief in exaltation in their belief in eternal families there's a lot wrapped up in doctrine covenant section 132 the interesting thing is that they say that it comes from joseph's study of the old testament in 1831. i think evidence suggests that's when he started thinking about things like this, like the, uh, the old prophets like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. It's when he starts to write the Pearl of Great Price, for example, comes around this period. And we've talked about the Pearl of Great Price with the book of Abraham. And I I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about, um, the interesting nature in which that revelation came to be, but, uh, but yeah, so Doctrine and Covenants section 132, um, isn't published it's not written until what 1843 so 12 some 12 years after uh Joseph starts thinking about some of this stuff from the Old Testament prophets um but it's interesting so so this revelation comes you know to Joseph Smith uh in Nauvoo and and again this is towards the end of Joseph's life so he's um he's killed in 1844 so uh this is one of the last revelations Joseph gives And it it relates to, you know, the everlasting covenant of marriage, Uh, eternal marriage, principle of of plural marriage here is is revealed as well. And um, again, this revelation is recorded in 1843, but church claims in this essay that evidence suggests that some of these principles uh, were coming or being known to the prophet as early as 1831.
0: And we'll explain why here when we get to the next essay, which is titled Plural Marriage in Kirtland and Nauvoo. So for, again, for, for history buffs or for the people who aren't history buffs out there. So it starts in Mormonism starts in New York, Paul Meyer, New York, right? That's where Joseph Smith kind of grew up and, and apparently had this, these first visions. Eventually they move to Ohio, Kirtland, Ohio. And then from there, they eventually end up in Nauvoo, Illinois. That's where Joseph Smith dies, but Nauvoo is where really this practice comes out. And again, this is all relevant to his death. We'll get into all of this. But before we do that, Bo, I just I have to read a couple of verses from section 132 uh, from Doctrine and Covenants. And I want to know, did you study these verses with your students in seminary? Because it says, this is, this is scripture for Mormons. It says, and let mine handmaid Emma Smith, Joseph's wife receive all those that have been given unto my servant Joseph and who are virtuous and pure before me in other words all my plural wives so am i reading this right bo that that joseph smith is getting a revelation from god directly for emma smith that she needs to um like obey this revelation she needs to accept this this new plural marriage Thing that God wants to unleash upon the church. In fact, in v- verse 54, it says, And I command mine handmaid Emma Smith to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph and to no one else. But if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord, for I am the Lord thy God and will destroy her if she abide not my law. I mean, Bo, I read this I'm, and I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? Like this for real is what jo- the revelation that Joseph Smith got from God and modern Mormons would read this and be be okay with this?
1: Yeah, I think when you look at it from a lens of, you know, a, a Mormon that believes Joseph was called by God and was receiving revelation from God, they, they truly believe he was God's mouthpiece. And so um, now the, these particular verses, no, they're not gonna be super studied a ton, right? I, I think we're gonna focus on, You know, if we did teach it, we would talk about the importance of obedience to God's commands, even if we don't quite understand them. Right. And and we would probably say, look, even Emma struggled with these commandments early on and uh, remained faithful. So I think those are those are some of the principles we would try to pull out of them. But but yeah, look, it's I I would say that uh, this revelation, while. Uh, while it does reveal eternal marriage, uh, it also talks about polygamy and uh, quite a bit. And, and yeah, it obviously suggests that Joseph had wives that most Mormons don't really know about. More again, like I said, Mormons don't really understand that Joseph had um, dozens and dozens and dozens <laughs> of of wives, um, and uh, and that Emma was not okay with it.
0: Yeah, let's get into that because really this is, okay, so let's keep these dates in mind. This is 1843 is when section 132 uh, was officially put out there by Joseph Smith. So those words I just read were 1843, but actually the whole plural marriage thing was brewing long before that. So the next article is plural marriage in Kirtland and Nauvoo. And I want to read this paragraph and and help us understand this, bow. Again, this is right from the LDS Church website. These are not my words. These these are their words. It says, Fragmentary evidence that suggests that Joseph Smith acted on the angel's first command by marrying a plural wife, Fanny Alger, in Kirtland, Ohio, in the mid-1830s. Okay, so Fanny... So this command that Joseph Smith said he got from the Lord, and he was pushing back on this command, if you read the documentation, he pushed back on it, but God said, no, I want you to take this 14-year-old as your wife. I mean, just keep this in mind. This is what's going on here. So he finally does this in the mid-1830s. So it's not till 1843 that this Doctrine and Covenant threat to Emma comes out, but it was in the mid-1830s that he finally takes his first plural wife. It says several, again, reading again from the article, several Latter-day Saints who had lived in Kirtland reported decades later that Joseph Smith had married Alger, who lived and worked in the Smith household after he had obtained her consent and that of her parents. Little is known about this marriage and nothing is known about the conversations between Joseph and Emma regarding Alger. After the marriage with Alger ended in separation, Joseph seems to have set the subject of plural marriage aside until the church moved to Nauvoo, Illinois. So this was, all this happened in Kirtland. Bo, help us to understand, you know, to fill in the, some of the missing the missing points here. So,
1: so when I read this, th- this is when I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. How are they, even in this essay, how are they glossing this over? This is a big deal. No Mormon really knows about this. I, myself, teaching seminary, didn't know about this. So what is going on? So there's a footnote that they that they they slip in here and in the footnote um it actually talks about a few things so so one Fanny Alger is like 16 years old she's a live-in servant um her parents were converted to the church a few years earlier and um so then I'm like wait so who is Fanny Alger so Fanny Alger is this live-in servant uh there's no really documentation that they were married Oliver Cowdery um, who, you know, listeners might know, might not. So maybe I'll explain who Oliver Cowdery is. Oliver Cowdery is the, the person that was Joseph's scribe for the Book of Mormon. So as Joseph is translating the Book of Mormon, the majority of it was scribed by Oliver Cowdery. It's, it, Oliver Cowdery is his right-hand man. Oliver Cowdery receives the priesthood with Joseph. Oliver Cowdery was part of the restoration of the church. And Oliver Cowdery is excommunicated just a couple years after Fanny Alger uh, and Joseph are "Quote unquote," married, and here's why he's excommunicated from the church because he accused Joseph of having an affair with Fanny Alger. Um, Joseph never, and again, I'm reading, you know, some of these footnotes, but Joseph never denied this relationship with Fanny Alger, uh, but he took a issue to it being called an affair. So Oliver Cowder is excommunicated in 1838, in large part because he accused Joseph of having this affair with Fanny Alger um again Emma doesn't know about this affair there's not much evidence suggesting that she kno- knows about this this marriage between Joseph and Fanny Alger then Joseph leaves Fanny Alger does not go with Joseph Fanny Alger then gets married a year later to someone else who's a not a Mormon he's a Christian she she lives a, a Christian life the rest of her life and then the church I think seals Joseph to Fanny Alger after his death so there's just a a lot of confusion surrounding this one. Um, it is technically in, in church history known as Joseph's first wife was a 16 year old live in servant of Joseph's. So that's just there, there are so many red flags and questions there for me, um, but but something that you just don't hear about. And, and the fact that they're publishing it here in this Gospel Topics essay is a big deal because they've never really owned up to this before. And again, this is ten years ago when they published it.
0: Yeah. So, when you're reading this, let's just let me let me come back to ten years ago when you're first reading this. This was was this hard for you to process? Probably like some of our listeners even today are are listening to this, wondering, are you guys making this up? I mean, what were you thinking?
1: The nature of it was shocking, right? I I know that I knew that Joseph was a polygamist of of some kind. I'd always assumed it was that he was part of you know, that a lot of these women were sealed to him after his death and that some of the women that he was sealed to were just for eternity, meaning he wasn't having sexual relations with the the women he was sealed to, um, and that he was faithful to Emma. So to to read that he had this polygamous relationship in the early to mid 1830s with a teenage live-in servant, um, and he kept it a secret and, excommunicates Oliver Cowdery (laughs) over it like that stuff was was blew my mind yeah it was shocking and sort of pulled back the curtain a bit on on his character to me that I I think I had been trying to avoid for years
0: yeah I mean I think we're, we're both dads we have daughters could you imagine you know you can try to whitewash this all you want but any dads listening out there just think about this if the if the spiritual leader in your church came to you and said God revealed to me that your teenage daughter is supposed to be my wife. I don't know I don't know any dad that any normal sane dad today that would be okay with that. I think that is spiritual abuse. I think that is sexual abuse. I mean these are the words we would use today for this. We would we wouldn't we wouldn't, and this is part of the problem I have. in just in general, I would just encourage any listener, Mormon or non-Mormon, whatever, to say if if you think that that's how God operates, that God could reveal something that goes against His word, that goes against His values, that goes against you know even what the Mormon Church says that the you know at the beginning of all this is just that. That uh, monogamous one man one woman is the standard. Well, it's more than the standard. This is what God wants. This is what He desires. And any any attempt to sort of twist those words is, to me, is 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 just wrong. I, I read this, and part of it is just my my heart is so broken for any of the women, not just with Joseph Smith, but just just. Any of the other subsequent women. I mean, you think, Bo? Think about the the Mormon, the fundamentalist Mormon churches today. Warren Jeffs is in prison for this kind of stuff. It's the same stuff. It's it's taking. It doesn't. It's not just young women, teenage brides. It's it's anything. It's just so heartbreaking to see this practice and to see toxic masculinity at work in churches like this. And it started with the founder of Mormonism, like what the El- what the fundamentalist churches are doing today. The stuff that, the stuff that that all of America looks at and says this is wrong. This is what was happening in the early days. Even though you, Bo, maybe didn't really understand that ten years ago until you started reading this.
1: Yeah, a lot of a lot of church history was um, sort of PC on on this subject. Not just with Fanny Alger, just with Joseph's wives in general. Um, and I think, uh, for a long period of time, the church was not okay with admitting all that, that went on with polygamy. Um, but, but in this essay, they, I mean, they, they really uncover a lot, right. That, uh, after, after that first wife that ended, you know, maybe nine months after they apparently were married, there's no record of them being married, but they had a relationship, right. And after that relationship, Fanny Allard doesn't go with them. They move uh, she marries someone else. Okay, so so then they, the 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 article goes on to talk about um, the first plural marriage in Nauvoo. So in 1841. So this is after Oliver Cowdery is excommunicated. Again, this is the person that restored the priesthood with Joseph Smith. He's excommunicated uh, for claiming Joseph had this affair with Fanny Alger, which Joseph did have a relationship with Fanny Alger. It's historically documented. So then the the first plural marriage in Nauvoo takes place. Uh, with Louisa Beeman um, and Joseph. They're sealed in 1841. Joseph married, and then it says this. It says, Joseph married additional wives and authorized other Latter-day Saints to practice plural marriage. The practice spread slowly uh, at first, but by June 1844, when Joseph died, approximately 29 uh, 29 men and 50 women had entered into plural marriage. And then it says this, in addition to Joseph. And his wives but it doesn't in this article go into the quantity they leave it in a footnote that you have to search for so in the footnote it says that uh historical documents show that joseph had between 30 and 40 wives meaning that between 1841 and 1844 when he died that's a three-year span he married between 30 and 40
0: women now, again, for you reading this ten years ago, you didn't even know this. You look, you look in the footnote, and you realize they're they're starting to admit this now, and and so you're beginning to get a fuller picture of the the church that you grew up in.
1: Absolutely, and again, the revelation isn't written down in uh, Doctrine and Covenants one thirty two. It's not written down until eighteen forty three. So, so. From 1841 to 1844, Joseph's going, entering into these plural marriages. He's telling everybody to be secret about them. He's not telling Emma about them. Um, and he's marrying dozens of women a year. Uh, and, and again, these marriages, and it'll talk about this in the article, are these marriages are not just eternity-only marriages, right? These are, he's having sex relationships with these women, with a lot of these women, um, as plural wives. And, uh... And again, even in this article where they're admitting to the Joseph's polygamy, they're glossing it over and they're hiding the quantity of wives in a footnote They're, you know, they're trying to, and then I get it look like it, this is an attempt at an apologetic letter. I get it. I get why, you know, they're doing that and, and that's okay. But, but the fact is right. that Joseph had between 30 and 40 wives. Um, he, he did that in a three year span. So who knows how many wives he would have had, had he not died in 1844. But I mean, even, even the reason he died in 1844 is, so let's talk about that. Right. So I I think growing up in the church, I had no idea why he was going to Carthage jail. I thought it was just, he was being persecuted for his beliefs, being persecuted for what he taught, being persecuted to be the prophet. And the actual reason is, is because of plural marriage. So, so, uh, the a member of the first presidency john c bennett um it was in joseph's first presidency right of the church he's an apostle john c bennett is then excommunicated for not being okay with plural marriage for calling joseph out on it so just like oliver Cowdery was excommunicated john c bennett is also excommunicated for the same reason right john c bennett it's not okay with this stuff. And so he decides with other, uh, former members of the church to create a, basically a newspaper so that they create, um, the Nauvoo Ex- expositor and in the Nauvoo expositor, they publish, um, this, you know, newspaper. And in this newspaper, it basically states that Joseph's a polygamist. There's other polygamists in the church and it, it uncovers some of what Joseph was trying to keep secret. Uh, well, Joseph, who's the what governor or mayor at, at the time? He uh, orders the printing press to be destroyed, and that all of these documents are are destroyed. So, a mob goes and destroys the printing press for Joseph. Joseph is then sent to jail uh, because that's illegal because he was uh, he was not allowing the freedom of speech. Right? He was violating. Freedom of speech, which in America, especially in the mid 1800s, was a big deal. You don't mess with printing presses. Uh, so Joseph's thrown in jail in Carthage. So so it, he wasn't being persecuted for you know him being a prophet. He was being thrown in jail for uh, an illegal act of destroying a printing press. And and what the press was printing about him was actually true. He was a polygamist. He had thirty between thirty and forty wives at this time. Um, and ultimately, a mob comes in and kills him in Carthage. And um, anyway, so none of that is talked about in church history. None of that was taught to me. None of the reason he was sent to Carthage, none of that's talked about. So it's just interesting, this whole thing of plural marriage, he loses some of the people that are most loyal to him over it and ultimately, unfortunately, is, you know, is killed as a result of him going to jail for destroying a printing press that printed truth about him anyway that that was a bit of a tangent but just to explain you know that by 1844 when joseph died approximately 29 men and 50 women had entered into plural marriage like there's more than that there were there were another 30 to 40 women that had entered into a polygamous relationship with joseph as claimed by this article um and evidence indicates that joseph and again i'm reading from the article here evidence indicates that joseph participated in both types of ceilings so the type of ceiling that was for time and all eternity, as well as eternity only, meaning the time and all eternity was for the earth as well as for eternity, meaning that they were having sexual relationships and that eternity only, uh, was just that they were going to be pals on earth and then, uh, eternally married in heaven. So, but again, yeah, following, following his marriage to, to Louisa Beeman and before he married other single women, Joseph was sealed to a number of women who were already married. So, so there's, there's all these different types of relationships that he's having. He's having relationships with teenage women. He's having relationships with uh, single women that he's being married to. And then he's having relationships with married women that are now being sealed to him as the prophet. And the article goes on to kind of explain why this maybe was the case. There's not a ton of documentation around this because, again, Joseph was trying to keep this incredibly secret, which is why his revelation on eternal marriage doesn't come until 1843, even though he's practicing it with dozens of women before that. Um, But at any rate, um, yeah, essentially, you know, what this article is getting at is that there there were multiple types of... Uh, relationships that Joseph was entering into, not just with women that were single. It was also teenagers as well as older women and then even married women.
0: Let's talk about Emma. Okay. So Emma is Joseph's first wife. This stuff all, you know, he's, he's clearly being secretive about a lot of this stuff, but, but what does the article say? It says, this is, again, this is right from the article. It says, Emma approved at least for a time of four of Joseph Smith's plural marriages in Nauvoo, and she accepted all four of those wives into her household. And I don't blame her, given the Doctrine and Covenants warning that specifically called her out saying, you better get in line, Emma, or you will be destroyed. Okay, But the article goes on to say, but Emma likely did not know about all of Joseph's ceilings. She vacillated in her view of plural plural marriage at some point supporting it and at other points denouncing it. How Bo, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Like how 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 did how does the church today talk about Emma Smith? How do they do they address any of this stuff when it comes to polygamy and, and some of Emma's struggles with it? I mean, after all, it's right there in scripture. So they've got to address you'd think they've got to address it a little bit.
1: Yeah, it it's tough, right? Because Emma is revered as you know, Joseph's wife as part of the restoration. She uh, was a scribe for the book of Mormon for a period of time. She was faithful to Joseph and in any um, church history depiction, like any church video or movie or whatever that, that shows Emma, she's faithful to Joseph until the end. Um, She's faithful, faithful to the church. But what they forget to mention is that Emma does not support the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints that moves West, right? She stays behind and Um, supports her son as the prophet. So, so Emma is not part of what the, what the popular LDS church nowadays is claiming is the restored church. Emma did not believe that. Right. So there were, there were several things that I think the church nowadays tries to either gloss over or just basically say that Emma, it was too much for the grief was too much for her. And she fell away, I think is something that I was taught a lot about Emma. Um, I don't know that any of that is really true. I think a lot of what Joseph taught was pretty confusing. Um, and I think she was super confused about all of it. She definitely was not okay with polygamy. Um, even the four wives she accepted, imagine accepting four of them only to find out there were 40. (laughs) Uh, that would be pretty insane. So yeah, poor Emma. She, uh, she's when she is talked about, she's revered in the church, but obviously is also mentioned as someone who fell away from, the true church supporting her son as a prophet instead of Brigham Young.
0: And so she stayed when, when after Joseph's death, um, Mormons eventually ended up trekking, famously trekking out to Utah, Utah territory. It wasn't a state at the time. Um, And so that's where of course Brigham Young is the new leader. And so Emma doesn't follow Brigham. Emma stays with her son and what do we know about that branch then? How how do how do Mormons understand or teach about the Emma and her son branch of Mormonism? Do they view it like that? Uh they just don't talk
1: about it like at all. Like you you won't Mormons don't talk about any of the branches of of Mormonism. Um but th- they'll point to Christianity and show all of the different branches of Christianity and to say like that's proof that there is an apostasy and yet they don't look at any of their branches as being. They they would they would claim they're apostate branches of the the true church essentially, and they just don't talk about them.
0: So did 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 uh, Emma's son and Joseph's son did 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 he teach polygamy plural marriage? No, no. Did he teach the first vision accounts? Did he teach, did they claim to be the the, the real and true sort of uh, succession of Joseph Smith's Mormonism?
1: Yeah, they they did. I think it's the the RLDS church. Um, so Emma stays behind, uh, doesn't follow Brigham Young. She supports her son to be the next prophet. Um, and and yeah, so 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 Emma, Emma stays behind and, and ultimately, uh, that's the, the RLDS church that, that remains. Um, and essentially that's, that's ultimately where, where she, she lives out the remainder of her life, um, is her later years in Nauvoo. So, uh, her later years in Nauvoo basically go from 1844 to, to her death, which I'm trying to remember when she, when she passes away, but, um, was it 18? let me think here. Eighteen. She lives a long life. Oh, 18, 1879. So she lives um, up until 1879. And and the RLDS church is uh, the church that she is a part of. So still believes in Joseph as a prophet, believes that he restored the church, um, believes that the RLDS church, though, is the true branch that Joseph had established and follows that branch.
0: It's interesting. It may be a topic of another podcast episode, but it's interesting that that Branch of Mormonism didn't become the mainline branch. I would guess that some of it, some of it is because I think getting to Utah, having polygamy in Utah, where they're able to really populate this new territory. I think they probably had more, more things going for them. The Brigham Young version of it, but really, in some sense, you'd think that the Emma Smith and her son, that that would be a little bit more acceptable because they didn't, they didn't. Uh, take on polygamy but anyway that's for another topic. Uh you know, bo the the essays don't get into Brigham Young at all. In fact, I don't even think they mention Brigham Young anywhere. Then the next essay is plural marriage and families in early Utah, and yet Brigham Young isn't isn't talked about. What did you understand about Brigham Young? Cuz you know, some of our listeners might not know this, but if you go down to the temple in Salt Lake City, the main Mormon temple right next to it is Brigham Young's house mansion and it they don't hide the fact that he had there's an awful lot of doors a lot of <laughs> there's rooms. a lot of
1: bedrooms yeah 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 so um you're right I mean that's that's not hidden that Brigham was a polygamist in fact so it says in this article that uh by the time the Saints entered Salt Lake Valley in 1847 at least 196 men and 521 women had entered into plural marriage. Uh, by that point and then again for 50 years they they lived the law of polygamy and it it spreads like like wildfire so so yeah what what we're taught about brigham is that he was the second prophet of the church that he was the prophet called to move the saints west and yeah he had what how many wives did he have i want to say it was 26 but it was probably more than that brigham young had a, a ton of wives and a ton of children from those wives um So, and, and again, this article, it goes on in the next essay to kind of talk about the polygamy in the, in the, the church in Utah. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's, it's just interesting that for years, the whole idea of Joseph being a polygamist was like, yeah, he probably was, but we don't really know a ton of details. And now that the details are out there, um, we, we just aren't studying it um, and, and I think it needs to be it needs to be uncovered needs to be talked about because it, it calls into question a lot about Joseph's character who, who he was as a man who he was as a you know a claim claiming to be a prophet and um, excommunicating those that that would call him out on it unfortunately
0: the final essay um, on the church website is titled the Manifesto and the end of plural marriage. And so for about 50 years, um, things were great in Utah. The Mormons are in Utah, you know, the beehives now known as the beehive state, just busily, um, working hard, creating culture and society. They're kind of on their own. They're, they're not a part of the United States technically They're So they're literally outside of the United States territory. It's not a state. Um, but it was a i think at this point it was a territory and it's eventually becomes a state but in order for that to happen they had to deal with the issue of polygamy because in at the time um the us government was not good they weren't cool with polygamy they weren't cool with some of these practices that were that were happening and so the pressure started to mount on the mormon church to give up this these practices, and here's what the article says: It says after two decades of seeking, either to negotiate a change in the law or avoid its disastrous consequences, because the Senate uh, actually put out a law saying you know you'd be prosecuted for being a polygamist. It was starting to cost the church money. The gov- U.S. government was threatening to take temples away, to take property away from the Mormon Church. So it says, the article says that church leaders began to investigate alternative responses in 1885 and 1886. They established settlements in Mexico and Canada outside the jurisdiction of U.S. law, where polygamous families could live peaceably, hoping that a moderation in their position would lead to a reduction in hostilities. Church leaders advised plural husbands to live openly with only one of their wives and advocated that plural marriage not be taught publicly in 1889, church authorities prohibited the performance of new plural marriages in Utah, and all of this eventually leads to what's called the the manifesto. Bo, help us understand this.
1: Yeah, so the manifesto is a revelation that the the prophet gives that essentially abolishes polygamy. And uh, now, look, there it's it's what we all refer to as the end of polygamy as as Mormons, right? It's what uh, the reason I had one wife growing up in the Mormon church, um, is, is from this revelation. It was, uh, but, but again, I, I, there were a lot of pressures from the government going on at the time too. Um, and, and the claim, you know, from, from the prophet was that, look, they would continue to practice it if the Lord didn't reveal otherwise. And the claim is that the Lord revealed it
0: to stop. I mean, it's interesting to me, Bo, as I read this, he's, the prophet, the current prophet at the time is saying, Essentially how I read it, God has revealed that through with the help of the US government. God, <laughs> I think God is changing, changing our minds with the help of the US government. So it's this weird, it's this weird revelation that's like straddling the line between um yeah. A, a vision and a revelation that God had given their founding prophet Joseph Smith that was affirmed by Brigham Young and taught for 50 years and suddenly now it's just strange that they're saying but the US government has said some things and they're going to take our land away if we don't I mean that's kind of reading between the lines and so basically it's like hedging their bets a little bit and it's a little bit it's a little bit awkwardly worded but basically they're saying we're we're not really going to do this anymore He read it
1: at General Conference in in October and and some of the church members were pretty upset about that revelation you know some accepted the manifesto and, and some didn't so so even uh you know there's a quote in this article that from the relief society president at the time that said today the hearts of all were tried um but looked to, to God and submitted so the the whole point of it was okay we're going to submit to God and his revelation to end polygamy even though that's going to mess up quite a few family relationships that we have right now it's just interesting as you look at the history of polygamy. It started with Joseph. It started in secret. He excommunicated people that claimed he was being a polygamist. Emma really struggled with it. Emma only knew about four of the wives. And then later it's out in the open. And then all of a sudden it's so widespread. The government gets involved. They have to stop. They have this manifesto, this revelation, reveal the conference. They stop it. And now church members are struggling to stop. So it's it's kind of an interesting history. And, and definitely one that is uh, is confusing to most modern-day Mormons, and, and something that most modern-day Mormons try to avoid completely, because when you, when you dig up the history of it, it's really confusing and frustrating.
0: So that was the first manifesto, and that was in 1889. Following that, this article goes on to say that there was then a second manifesto. And the second manifesto, they describe as a watershed event. For the first time, church members were put on notice that new plural marriages stood unapproved by God in the church. So what was the difference between the first and the second manifesto, Bo?
1: Well, people kept practicing polygamy. Um, and the church kept getting more and more pressure to stop. And so they they had to come out. I think it was almost 10 years later they had to come out. The second manifesto completely abolishing polygamy altogether because uh, members continued to practice it, especially there were a bunch of members practicing it in secret.
0: So, Bo, as we finish this episode, I, you know, I, I think our I'll speak to our Christian listeners and you can speak to our LDS listeners. To our Christian listeners, I hope that now that you've heard again, so much of what we read came has come straight from the LDS Church. Um, it it's been hidden for years from modern Mormons, Bo, as you can attest to. Um, but I think it's important for Christian listeners to understand. Mormonism is not biblical Christianity. Clearly, it's not biblical Christianity. And I, it, you know, so many, I think so many Christians today, because of probably because of the marketing of the Mormon church, the Mormon church now is trying to make themselves look like a denomination of Christianity. The more you dig into this, and we're not trying to like be unfair about polygamy. I, I think that it's not polygamy is not the reason Mormonism isn't a Christian church. It's just it's just really stark evidence that this is very, very different from biblical Christianity. Not just the practice of polygamy, but even just how it comes up, comes about. It comes about because Mormons believe that the current prophet can change God's word. The current prophet can bring a revelation that can go against Scripture, the Bible. And r- just right there, that's so prob- problematic for Christians. So I would just speak to the Christians today and say, um, you know, pay attention to this. I wouldn't even really use this against Mormons because Mormons don't really even fully understand this. Modern day Mormons, they, they certainly don't believe in this. So it's not even worth sort of fighting against a Mormon with polygamy. I just think it's important for Christians listening to understand that Mormonism is not biblical Christianity. But what would you say to the LDS listeners who might still be kind of a little bit in shock today? Look,
1: I was in shock when I read all of this and actually studied it and studied the footnotes the church was admitting to and the history behind it, um, because it gave me a different profile of the Prophet Joseph than I'd had growing up, right? It gave me a a different lens to see him through and to see the way that he acted, behaved the way that he, um, the way that he lived. And so I think it's important. I think history teaches us, uh, you know, an important piece to this and, and it's important for everybody to, to study it. So I would just encourage people to read these gospel topics essays that the church has published, because when, when you read the gospel topics essays, when you study the footnotes, you, you get a clearer picture. Now it's an apologetics view from the church, but it's still a clear enough picture to understand. Um, I think, you know, who, who Joseph was, what he, what he was doing and ultimately, uh, you can, you can compare and contrast that with biblical Christianity, what God teaches in the Bible and and you can decide for yourself. Right. I think for me, it became clear, uh, what the Bible taught versus what Mormonism taught were two completely different things. And, um, I was going to trust in God and God's word.